Good morning. Welcome to With God at Dawn. Christ loved his own unto the end. Now, before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour was come, that he should depart out of this world unto the Father, having loved his own which were in the world, he loved them unto the end. In the upper chamber of a dwelling at Jerusalem, Christ was sitting at table with his disciples. They had gathered to celebrate the Passover. The Savior desired to keep this feast alone with the twelve. He knew that his hour was come. He himself was the true Paschal Lamb, and on the day the Passover was eaten, he was to be sacrificed. He was about to drink the cup of wrath, he must soon receive the final baptism of suffering. But a few quiet hours yet remained to him, and these were to be spent for the benefit of his beloved disciples. He was now in the shadow of the cross, and the pain was torturing his heart. He knew that he would be deserted in the hour of his betrayal. He knew that by the most humiliating process to which criminals were subjected, he would be put to death. He knew the ingratitude and cruelty of those he had come to save. He knew how great the sacrifice that he must make and for how many it would be in vain. Knowing all that was before him, he might naturally have been overwhelmed with the thought of his own humiliation and suffering. But he looked upon the twelve who had been with him as his own and who, after his shame and sorrow and painful usage were over, would be left to struggle in the world. His thoughts of what he himself must suffer were ever connected with his disciples. He did not think of himself. His care for them was uppermost in his mind. We read about the cup of wrath that Jesus drank. John 18.11 John shares what Jesus says to Peter. Then said Jesus unto Peter, Put up thy sword into the sheath, the cup which my father hath given me. Shall I not drink it? At the Passover supper, there are four cups drank. The first cup is a cup of sanctification, meaning I will bring you out. The second cup, the cup of deliverance. I will free you. After supper, the third cup of redemption, I will bless you. The one which Jesus sets up the new covenant, the fourth is the cup of restoration. I will protect you. Jesus does not drink from this cup of protection. He tells the disciples that he will not drink from this cup until I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. But the cup of wrath Jesus drank in place of the cup of protection. This cup we do not have to drink. Matthew twenty six twenty eight. he says, This is my blood of the New Testament. Why is it new? Because the old ceremonial sacrifice and laws, they could not make them clean. Hebrews 9, 9 to 14. I want to read that from the Bible here. 
which was a figure for the time then present in which were offered both gifts and sacrifices that could not make him that did the service perfect, as pertaining to the conscience, which stood only in meats and drinks and diverse washings and carnal ordinances imposed on them until the time of reformation, but Christ being come and high priest of good things to come by a greater and more perfect tabernacle not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. For if the blood of bulls and of goats and the ashes of an heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctify through the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? This tells us that Christ's sacrifice is new and different because when we receive it, we receive his high priestly intervention. That's verse 12. It says that um, by his own blood he enters in once into the holy place. That's his intervention. And uh, in verse 14, he will purge our conscience from dead works. This was the end of this sacrificial system with its ceremonies, for they could not make us perfect. That's verse 9. It said it could not make us perfect. It could not make him that did the service perfect. Well, it clearly says the first covenant had ordinances of divine service and a worldly sanctuary. This was where the high priest ministered the blood of the animals' sacrifices before God in the most holy place. Well, why are we now able to be made perfect? Well, first let's define the word perfect. The Greek dictionary says that it means mature, complete, finished, perfect. Then it is further defined what God considers perfect to mean. Let's read that. It's Matthew 5, 44 through 48. But I say unto you, this is Jesus speaking, Love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, pray for them which despitefully use you, and persecute you, that you may be the children of your Father which is in heaven, for he makes his sun to rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love them which love you, what reward have you? Do not even the publicans the same? And if you salute your brethren only, what do ye more than others? Do not even the publicans so? Be you therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. There. He is good to the evil and the good. He's just good. And that's what he wants us to be. That's what he wants. We can feel pretty certain that he means for us to obey and to love our neighbor. Because that's what God's Ten Commandments define as his requirements in order to create an environment of love and safety. But why are we able to love others after Jesus' death when before no one could? And not genuinely, anyways. We couldn't, we could make actions, outward actions, but we were not changed. I'll share my thoughts with you, and of course, as usual, you're expected to think things through on your own. But Jesus told the disciples in John 14, 21, he says, He that has my commandments and keeps them loves me, and he shall be loved by my Father, and I will love him and will manifest myself to him. And John fourteen twenty three says, 
If a man love me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him, and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. 1 John 3, nine tells us, Everyone who has been born of God does not sin, because his seed, his word, remains in him, and he is able not to sin. Romans 7.24-25, Paul explains that we are wretched and that Jesus can deliver us from this body of death. Only God has absolute perfection. We will continue to learn and grow through eternity. John tells us in 1 John 2, verse 1, These things write I unto you, that you sin not. But if you do sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. We get the idea that God expects absolute perfection, but his word reveals that he simply wants obedience. There has been made provision through Christ if you are trying to obey sincerely and genuinely, but the person who is in open rebellion and at enmity with God has no provision. But those who accept God's salvation in his own appointed way, the Holy Spirit will continue to work with us to prepare us for heaven, and we must do our part continual submission, surrender, and making and striving and coming to him for help. Because when we ask him for help, he gives it. He never fails us. First John 3, 6 warns us that whosoever sinneth hath not seen him, neither known him. Second John verse 4. I'm going to read that. Mm. Second John verse four. I should have left that open. I apologize. Ah. Hmm. Walk in truth. Those who walk in truth keep the commandments of his father. Anyway. Oh, second John verse Oh, I think I'm looking at the wrong thing. Yeah, I am. <laughs> Sorry. All right, there's a promise in Hebrews 8, verse 10. This is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their minds and write them in their heart, and I will be to them a God, and they shall be to me a people. Of course, the house of Israel is spiritual Israel. That's you and me. All right. I just have a little very short song. Must Jesus bear the cross alone And all the world go free No, there's a cross for everyone And there's a cross for me And we are told to take up our cross and follow him Pick up your cross it's a cross to us. It's crossing to our nature to deny ourselves. But we are told to take up that cross and follow Jesus. He will help us to take the narrow way, that path that shineth more and more into the perfect day. Thank you, Jesus. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray for those who are here with me this morning, that we would be willing, all of us, to take up our little cross and follow Jesus. For we were not called upon to drink the cup of wrath that he drank for us. He gave us the cup of protection, and he requires us to take up our little cross and follow him. Out of love, it will be as nothing to us. Thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen.
Please join me again tomorrow morning, my friends, and may your day be truly blessed today.